Well, look, tell me, I was looking you up and everything, and I think, um, so you were saying that your grandma originally got you into cycling, right? Yeah. How yeah, did you, you were like, what, nine years old when she, when she brought you to it? Yeah, so I was nine, um, yeah. and I remember in the UK, we have this thing called bikeability. I don't know whether anywhere else has it. It's all where a company comes in, yeah. uh, teaches young children like road safety and stuff on bikes but I couldn't ride a bike so I was really worried about it um so I told my grandma so I can't ride a bike I need to yeah. learn to ride before they come in I've been trying really hard I just couldn't get the hang of it okay uh, so I went to the local like cycling club thinking it would be a similar sort of thing but no it was just it was like a racing club so pretty much gotcha. got deep end yeah and but that's funny because it's not I guess it's not something that's done, you know, where I'm at in America and everything. And so they legitimately test you to sort of figure out how you do on a bike, basically. Yeah, kind of. So they'll literally take a group of kids out from school. You'll bring okay. in your bike. they'll go on the roads like they'll teach you the different hand signals and stuff. Yeah, I think it's trying to encourage like riding to school safely. So, yeah. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's geez, that's amazing. And what <laughs> it, once you took, like once you took to biking, I guess what's the next stage? Do you join a team and then you start working on, I guess, the racing aspect, like practice, like with any any sport in existence? I guess. Um. So when you're younger, like when you're up to the age of about sixteen, sure, you still ride for your club team. So I rode for the club that I joined with until I was 16. Nice. Then, like, when you go into the junior category, you start looking at, like, a team which involves, like, people from all over the country. Like, gotcha. not just a local area. Like, there might be people from Scotland or Cornwall. Yeah. Like, one from Birmingham. So, yeah. Jeez, that's amazing. How old are you now? I'm 21, but I turned 22. So. Oh, awesome. And you just started um, university, right? I finished my undergraduate degree. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm yeah, you. it was on Instagram. You graduated. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Good job. A, so. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, you said exercise science was what you graduated in? Yeah, I did sport and exercise science, uh, which included like some health aspects as well. So in my master's, I'm going into um, applied sport medicine and exercises medicine. Yeah. Jeez, that's awesome. Are you staying at the same university for that? I think it's what, Birmingham, uh, right? I did my undergrad at Birmingham, but I'm yeah. going to go to Nottingham for my master's. Okay. Man, that's awesome. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of hams. Birmingham, Nottingham. Yeah. <laughs> I sound really stupid, but yeah, that's <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> No, that's awesome. <laughs> Tell me about I, when I was looking you up and everything. There's you said your favorite race was how do you pronounce it? Is it uh, the, say it again? I'm sorry, you cut out. Uh, Rosnaman. Rosnaman. Can you it's tell really, me about that? Are are you doing that? Are you preparing for that? Or you just did it? Well, it actually starts on in two days on the seventh, but okay. unfortunately, like a few months ago, I had COVID. And okay. I found it really difficult to recover. Like, I'm okay for short periods of time, like track racing and stuff. Yeah. But as soon as it comes to, like, prolonged uh, efforts at the moment, I'm still kind of struggling with that. 
Yeah. So because it's like a five day stage race, I was thinking I think I'd be pretty tired after maybe two days. So yeah, I mean you're and then uh you had to recover you had to recover from an injury too. You've got besides COVID, you yeah. uh yeah. Yeah. I um had a bad crash in Estonia. Uh I landed on my head and oh, gosh. I shoulder open. So I was off the bike for quite a while. And then as soon as I started to recover, I literally got COVID straight away. So <laughs> not as the if, best. As if uh landing on your head just wasn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Oh, well. How was your first race coming back from the uh the injury? Um I did try out a few road races, but my top end fitness just wasn't there. So like halfway through, like I just called it a day. But on the actual first race back I did, I actually crashed. So I had like two months off. I came back into a race. I actually felt quite good, like unexpectedly, and I crashed. So jeez. Oh, <laughs> but I've just been to um the Irish National Championships. Nice. Because my, my nationality is Irish, even though I live in the UK. Yeah. Um, so I've just come back from there and I'm, I won a national championship and got a few medals. So I was pretty pleased with that. So, yeah. So you represent Ireland whenever you do these races? Yeah. So I wouldn't represent Great Britain. I would represent Ireland or Northern Ireland. That's awesome. How do you feel? You were mentioning, you know, whenever you do a race. Mm-hmm. What, how would you define feeling good in the race? Like while you're going through it, I guess you'd, you'd have to keep up pacing and everything, but what's, is it sort of a euphoric feeling? Like while you're going through the race, do you just kind of get that, like, I guess the equivalent of a runner's high for a biker? Yeah, I guess so. Like when, when you're in the Peloton, like the big group of riders, yeah, uh, you can kind of tell how you're feeling, like the way you can move up to the group or whether you can't move up um so yeah like most of the time this season until I had my injury and COVID and stuff I I did feel pretty good like I could tell the way I was able to move through the bunch like react to different people trying to break away from the group like how well I was feeling for the finish but obviously after a bit of illness and time off that doesn't come as easily and you can kind of feel that in your legs it feels almost like heavy yeah it feels there's extra weight to carry even though there's not but yeah yeah i I mean (laughs) and then logically speaking you probably have to monitor your weight pretty well with the diet and everything i mean if you're shoot if you're too heavy on a bike you're not going to go as fast as you need to just in any given race yeah like it's strange because some people are completely fine but like in the winter yeah. I normally run about two kilograms. I think okay. I think it's like me naturally, like when when it gets cold, my body's response is to put on more like blubber yeah, again. Like, like hibernation, yeah. <laughs> and I tend to race it off, like nice. when it gets races and I just gradually lose it naturally again. So I guess I don't really put that much emphasis on it. But if I was a lot heavier than they needed to be i would notice it as well like going up a climb it'd feel a lot harder that's amazing what what do you do as far as dieting goes because i know you you had mentioned i guess in like a previous interview that you had like digestive issues like going into racing right i i mean 
I feel like everybody would have digestive issues if you're racing at that level and you're like, you know, you got to figure out the problem of like, how do you fuel yourself during a race, you know? Yeah, it's so important. Like you have to take in about, I think it's about 90 grams of carbs an hour. Oh. In a, but like that, that is really, really difficult to do. That's not yeah. easy. People can do that. So you really can't have to train your body to eat and drink on the bike, get enough fluid in. Um, but I had COVID about two years ago now. And for some reason, it made me develop uh, lactose and gluten intolerance. Okay. So I, now it's like, well, not now, I'm kind of used to it now, but I had to change my whole diet because I couldn't eat the things that I would normally eat. Like, yeah, it's simple now is just picking up a cereal bar with lots of carbs in from Tesco or whatever. Yeah. Like how to get special, like gluten-free, lactose-free products just so that my stomach doesn't completely doesn't mess up. It. It. Yeah. Yeah. Does that does that uh give you the fuel you need still even without like the lacto? I mean, well, yeah, I guess you wouldn't have to worry about the the dairy part, but I guess the gluten part, you know. Yeah, because there's a like most foods with a lot of carbs in do have gluten yeah. in. So for a while, I probably was under fueling like while I was trying to adapt to it. Yeah, but now I've pretty much found like alternatives for everything. So. That's pretty yeah, amazing. It, yeah. What what have you found? I, I guess the 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 usual thought is that gluten-free anything is gonna be is gonna taste bad or it's gonna be rough, yeah. you know. What what have you personally found that actually works, like doesn't taste that bad as far as like a gluten-free product goes? Don't get me wrong, like a, a lot of stuff is pretty grim, I think. Yeah. But I found I found a book. Uh, it was called How to Make Anything Gluten-Free. I think it was by a woman called Becky Issa, I think. Yeah. And I bought that and literally I it told me how to make like any meal that I wanted gluten-free and also had like lactose-free um, alternatives that I could use as well. So I've kind of figured out how to make most things myself. But I noticed like breads in shops are normally pretty horrible. Like they yeah. don't really like normal bread but warburton's have started doing gluten-free bread and their bread actually tastes really good so that's my go-to at the minute <laughs> cooking stuff that's actually good is basically the the solution to it instead of just getting like one thing and thinking that that's going to do it basically yeah so i kind of just make my own meal now like what's your what's your go-to what do you usually make <sighs> spaghetti bolognese like <sighs> It's for simple. Gluten free, that's awesome. <laughs> that's really good. Nice. Yeah. The pasta, don't be wrong, the pasta is a bit different texture, but yeah. I've for that long now. I can't really remember what normal pasta tastes like. So yeah. yeah. Spending time being gluten free, everything starts to taste pretty normal after doing it yeah. for such a long time. Yeah. And I but you also have to prioritize like Drinking a certain amount of water and eating a certain amount of food before, right before and after a race, too, right? Yeah, yeah you can lose so much. Um, you lose so much water when you're racing, and then when if you were to weigh yourself after, yeah, sometimes like one or two kilos of water that you've lost that you have to replace. It's crazy. To yeah, to chug that much, and I don't even yeah. think you know, you know people probably don't even get that much water in a day sometimes, you know. No, it's mad. 
what what do you do as far as i guess from like just healthy living how do you how do you treat your your off season when you when you kind of get off the bike i'd imagine you're still training to some degree but like what do you do in your off season for the most part when i have my off season i normally have three weeks completely off the bike yeah um just try and do different things really like maybe i'll go on long walks or sometimes i'll go to the gym occasionally but for me like i I normally just take the time off just try and like enjoy myself uh, reset mentally really because that's what i find pretty hard i don't find it uh as physically draining but i find that at the end of a race season like mentally i just need a break so I can imagine that's probably like the best thing to do as far as motivation goes. Like when you get back on season, like during the off season, just, I don't know, maybe not doing anything mentally taxing, like what you said. So, so you don't have to work too hard to like get back into the zone, I guess. Is that, it must be easy to kind of get back into the on season if you do the off season, right? Like after, after three weeks off, you kind of miss it. Yeah. So then, oh, I just want to go and ride my bike. So it feels it's almost like it's fun again like it's not just routine like you're getting back into the routine it's enjoyable yeah it's like the weather might be miserable i'll be like well i haven't rode my bike in three weeks so it'll be fun yeah (laughs) but yeah when you went well you know also too do do you have to (laughs) no pun totally intended it must be like riding a bike when you start (laughs) start up again and you get do you have to get like new adaptations? Like, does your body have to like reacclimate to it when you get back in, even though you've been doing it for years? So I can't imagine it's that bad, you know? I, I think it is bad. Like I'm yeah. after a period of, I'm really slow. Like it really? takes me, okay. yeah, it takes me a few months to get like proper fitness back. Like I'm still like fit and I have good fitness, but yeah. like compared to what it was, I still lose quite a lot. So okay. I just built up over the winter. Well, yeah. I don't feel I don't feel too bad about myself now, Gabby. So that's a the, <laughs> there you go. I'm not the only one. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. What is what? I had the weird question for you. What what is cyclocross? Because I'm the average bro and I don't know anything about it. Can you explain that to me? So cyclocross is like a a winter sport kind of thing. Okay. Um, almost like you have a road bike with mountain bike tires but they're in they're thin tires like a road bike as well like they're not really wide i got you um and it's it's pretty much just like riding around in the mud doing a bit of skills it's really cool to be honest it's really fun so Uh, so it's a little bit like mountain biking in a sense it's like it yeah kind of okay it's like mountain biking less technical there's not well it is technical but there's not like massive like yeah. drop you're riding or anything uh, i got you i got uh, you but the atmosphere is really good like loads of people come to watch it um and it's like a race within a race like if you're last nobody knows because there's that many people around the course anyway like it's just it's just enjoyable it's really fun how many people generally compete? Like, if there's a lot of people, like, could you give it a number? How many do you think? Um, when I've done it, they've they've done about four different age categories at a time. Yeah, like four different age categories, and then like uh, boys and girls separate. So maybe like two hundred people 
sometimes. A lot. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, yeah. be, being exposed to just biking in general, like mountain biking, uh, from the last Olympics, um, it is it is funny watching just any kind of biking sport because there's always a ton of people and you do lose track of like who yeah. <laughs> who's in what place, which always makes me respect the narrators like the commentators even more because they're keeping track of everybody and i'm just like focused on the first three people like in the lead you know so that as well like when you're racing sometimes you'll be like oh it's so obvious yeah who lead because you you kind of pick that up like when when you're in the race mm. but then like, like for example the madison race on the track like when you're actually doing it it feels so obvious where what position you're in but like I've actually like stood back and spectated a Madison and then I'm really like oh actually it's not that straightforward at all like I don't know who's winning it's really strange do you pinpoint I guess or you find the person that that you have to sort of go after in order to win like are there a couple people you know are going to be the ones you have to beat whenever you're going into these races or is it like a team in general uh, normally, normally you pick on like a few, a few individual riders or it's sometimes like you, like you put in their spokes, try to trip them, right? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. Like you, you'll sit on, you'll like sit behind them on their wheel, like in the race, because you'll know, you'll okay. know that individual riders or the riders from certain countries are going to be the strongest or the ones that are most likely to make some sort of move so yeah you, you pick that up pretty quickly really so drafting is important you got to draft yeah. the people okay yeah okay yeah because that's the <laughs> that every every time you watch it you know there's strategy going on but you know me and my my misunderstanding i can never figure out like what is exactly happening that that's making you faster in the moment but drafting i guess is that like secret ingredient yeah, you kind of like draft the riders that you know are going to be like giving it some or like even just drafting in the middle of the race just to save some energy. Like being yeah. at the front, being behind someone is I think it's like a 20 percent difference in effort. So, yeah, you save a load of energy just sitting on somebody else's wheel instead of doing all the work. 20 percent effort. Man, that's kind of yeah, cool to have a number put to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. What how do you how do you like transfer? So you do every type of discipline in biking. So you're doing cyclocross and then you're doing the indoor indoor track, I've right? Done cyclocross for a few years, but okay. I have done last. Mainly now a uh, track road and a bit of time trial. Okay. Can I I imagine the track road. So track wait, track road is the indoor right the the speed um, racing thing track is uh you know a velodrome like the wooden yeah the wooden thing and then road just like out out on the roads okay that's got to yeah. be the prettier one though it's probably better to be out in the roads you know yeah it's really nice you see some nice places <laughs> that's pretty cool what are you setting your sights on the olympics at some point or are you sticking with your circuit right now for the most part um obviously the dream is always the Olympics. Like, I would love to go, but it, it's really hard to know whether you'll actually get that opportunity as well. So sometimes I like to focus on, I'd really love to go to the Commonwealth Games. Okay. 
like I missed out on that this year but I would I would really love to go in the future like I think that would be what I would like to do the most at the minute where are the Commonwealth Games held because yeah I mean Commonwealth Games have popped up with every athlete I've interviewed and I've never known exactly like that's a huge a huge event where where do you go for that um so any of the Commonwealth countries normally hold it like this year it was in um England yeah. it was actually Birmingham I live in Birmingham so I was pretty I was pretty good not to go but I could do some work there and get some experience or whatever for whenever I want to get a yeah. proper job <laughs> but uh like it can be anywhere so I think the next one's in Victoria in Australia uh the time before Birmingham was at the Gold Coast in Australia uh it can be in like Scotland uh just any of the Commonwealth countries really have you been to Australia before for a previous race or this will be your no. first time if you go? Australia. Oh, I think the, I've been most, it's mostly in Europe. Like I've been to Estonia, I've been to uh, Switzerland, like the Netherlands, like just European countries really for me. Yeah. Well, wow, that's that. Yeah, that would be my dream, too. I'd love to just go to Australia. I just just the, you know, the beauty of it and everything, yeah. just the look of it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> How do you I guess whenever um, whenever you started racing back in the day when you were nine years old, your first when you started your first race, what was that in? Was that the outdoor racing? Was that the indoor uh, cycling? cyclocross i think that was the cyclocross okay because my club like um where i live there's like an outdoor velodrome so it's like tarmac okay aren't you can't use that in the winter because it gets icy and stuff yeah so the coaches used to do cyclocross around the woods and stuff around around the velodrome yeah when i joined it was like the end of summer so there was no racing so I kind I guess I kind of did cyclocross first. Like that was my first. Is it thing. possible to do cycling like in the winter seasons or just the the winter months? Is that uh, an actual sport or is that just or should I pitch that to the Olympics as a possibility for a new sport? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it'd be that enjoyable. Like <laughs> it's it not for the hardcore people who are like, no, you know, we got to bike on the ice. We got to make some new some new stuff happen. Yeah. Like most of the time in the UK, you can go out in the winter, but there might be like occasionally it will be too icy or there'll be snow or something. Yeah. But then I take a mountain bike out, but I don't have a mountain bike at the minute. So I'd normally just go on um, Zwift. I don't know if you've heard of that. Don't think so. No, I, yeah, I, I'm the, I'm the yeah. dumbest, per, uh, dumbest <laughs> interview podcast person you'll ever talk to. <laughs> It's like a computer game. So you have like a turbo trainer in your house. Okay. And you like to it. Um, yeah. So it's like a static trainer kind of. And oh, then you I can... think I know what you're talking about. I can yeah. picture something that's sort of like that. Like it, it, it you ride it, your bike, but it, it keeps you in that, in that stationary position. I get it. Yeah. And then you would join like Zwift, the kind of like computer game, and you can race on there like with other people. 
you can go on group rides, like meet up with your friends on Zwift or just ride with completely random what? people. What? Yeah. That's legit. So it's like virtual reality in a way for biking. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> That's insane. Okay. I might have to check that out. I don't know. That's awesome. Is biking one of those things you have to get started early if you're going to excel in the future or you could pretty much no. start whenever? Okay. Really? Yeah. I really believe that with any sport though, because I actually learned when I did my undergraduate, my lecturer taught me that the like early specialization thing is a myth. Like it actually came from music. So to specialize in music, you're supposed to start early and they just like transferred that theory to sport. No way. But actually you can be like 18 or you can be even older. Like you don't have to be young. It doesn't actually transfer that way. So you could just be completely natural at it at the age of like 24. You you are the first person to say that, literally. You're the first person. <laughs> Every Everybody I have ever talked to has always supported the idea that you're supposed to start when you're like, I don't know, like, like when you're in, when you're in the single digits, you know, when you're five through like nine yeah. years old, that's, but, but that's so cool that you said that. Cause that gives anybody hope for like, you know, being elite to some degree in, in any kind of athletic training they do. Yeah. I mean, I guess in a way it can work when you're younger as well, but like yeah. I'm not saying, Oh no, you can't be professional if you start when you're five. Yeah. Well, and it's worked for some people, but like there has been like scientific papers that have proven that that's not necessarily true. I'm so look I get into that. I, yeah, I, I totally love that you're saying that because I've always believed for the longest time that, you know, it's something that's just been said, not really proved, you know? Yeah, well, it has been proven that, that is not the case. So, <laughs> yeah, just the well said that like you need to start at a young age. And I'm like, well, where's the, you know, where, where's the, where's the actual, studies that support that i'm sure there are but then at the same time exactly to your point there's studies that support that you don't need to be a certain age you can get yeah. into it and still excel in the sport because yeah you you know i don't know you talk to like gymnasts it, it's gymnastics in particular like i've always everybody in gymnastics will start when they're like four or five years old and they're like no you got to start young you know so yeah i've read so many papers on gymnastics but yeah. most of um, I think the theory about starting young originally comes from a musician saying that you should start playing an instrument young. And that's kind of where the theories came from. It transferred into sport. So that'll be the title of this podcast right there. That <laughs> that notion, because I, I love that, that you said that. That's cool. Because, yeah, I mean, I think media screws it up, too. Whenever you watch like a Netflix show or something, uh, could be like cheerleading or it could be gymnastics or whatever like i said and and they'll always go down that road of like these people growing up into the sport you know so yeah but i think bad as well though because it might it could put potentially like put people off trying yeah and like there's no need for that like you should give it a go if you want to give it a go so and then it helps you discover things you want to do in the future because you're not like bound to that identity like you're not yeah that's not your only identity is like that, that sport, you know, because that's always something that was studied too. And I'm sure you've heard about it. It's like that athletic identity is so powerful that you can't, yeah. once you get out of it, then you don't know what to do with yourself. You know, I actually wrote an essay on that and it's like, you get stuck in your athlete identity and you don't actually have an identity away from your sport. Yeah. It's like 
the transition in like out of sport into a different job or just giving up their sporting career like or an injury they're they're completely lost like they don't know what to do so I think it's really important to like have something else to fall back on as well is that kind of the main way to I guess counteract that that pitfall is to do the best you can to find other things that you're interested in instead of just focusing on that one thing want to keep like your social network around you like friends family okay have other interests as well because it all it takes is a bad injury and then you know I'm not saying that it's over you'll never be able to do your sport again but you might not be able to do it to the level that you want to because of a certain injury or whatever so yeah I think it's important to have other things as well 